Hey, this is Rich Wilkerson. I'm the pastor of VU Church in Miami, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Hey, I wanna welcome all of our VU friends and family, those that are joining by way of YouTube and the podcast. Can we make some noise right here for all of our VU friends and family who are joining us all over the world? Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse one, we are kicking off a new collection of talks entitled, To Hell and Back. Can you say it that way? Can you say, To Hell and Back? Verse one, chapter 21, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, someone say two, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her, untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets. Say to the daughter of Zion, see, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now the disciples went and did as Jesus instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very loud crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Now the crowds that went ahead of him on those uh, ahead of him and those that followed shouted, "Hosanna to the Son of David! Hosanna in the highest! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord!" And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. Everyone say stirred. And asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Tonight, as we kick off this brand new collection to Helen Back, I wanted to preach from the subject, your burden is your blessing. I want you to look at your neighbor with some boldness and say, yo, neighbor... No, come on, say, yo, neighbor, your burden is your blessing. Come on, look at your neighbor behind you and say, neighbor behind me. I love that. There's no one there. There's no one there. They're looking backwards too. Someone say, your burden is your blessing. Someone say, my burden is my blessing. Would you pray with me tonight, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that your word is a living word. It's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. Tonight, as we read the words on the paper, God, I pray that it would open up our heart to hear from you. We've come into this place wanting to see Jesus in a fresh way. We don't want to walk out of you the same way we came in. Pray over the next 30 minutes or so, Lord, that you would speak crystal clear to each and every one of us. Encourage us tonight. Inspire us tonight. Help us to be more like Jesus. We know you can do it. We know you will do it. So we thank you in advance. And if you're in agreement with that prayer, all of God's people said, all of God's people said, come on, if you love Jesus, put your hands together and make a little bit of noise for the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Your burden is your blessing. The older and older I get, the more I realize that blessing and burden go hand in hand. They are tied together. You can't get one without the other. In fact, I can list out all of the great blessings God has given me in this life. And as I list them out, in order to share the whole story, I would have to also tell you the burden that's attached to that blessing. 
See, people miss this truth because they don't realize that burdens, they come and it's really just a blessing in disguise. Some of the greatest blessings in my life, you know, the number one blessing aside from salvation in Jesus is my wife, Don Cherie. Holler at your boy. Um, she blesses me, ladies and gentlemen. And I remember when we exchanged vows at 22 years of age, it was the greatest gift that God has ever given me to this date. She is a huge blessing, a huge asset in my life. Yet everybody in this room who desires to have a healthy relationship can testify to the fact that if you want the blessing of a healthy relationship, you have to be able to endure the burden of the relationship. A healthy marriage is full of burdens. It's full of challenges. It's full of struggle. It's full of pain. You know, I got two sons, Wyatt and Wild. They are great blessings in my life. But is there any faith-filled parents in this room that would say, yo, those kids are a burden? <laughs> this church, leading this church is a huge blessing. I, it's one of the great privileges of my life that I get to participate in this community and I get to lead this community. But much like the Apostle Paul, as he lists out all the challenges that he's facing, at the very bottom of his list, he says, and my constant concern, my constant burden for the church, meaning as the church gets bigger and the blessing grows, so does the burden. Please understand, if we're going to come to God's house and we're going to have faith to receive blessings from God, we also need to pray, God, give us the strength to endure the burden that's attached to the blessing. Can I get a witness out there? The bigger the burden, the better the blessing. And what you and I have to do is we have to get better at rethinking our blessings, because what happens in the world that you and I live in is that we only share half of the story. Have you noticed this? If you're gonna share a story, you should share 100% of the story, but people tend to share only 50%. If you're gonna share 50%, share the right 50%. Don't share the wrong 50%. The right 50% is the blessing. The wrong 50% is the burden. I see so many people, it's like, yo, bro, I'm telling you what, man, this freaking car, this car sucks, man. This car's awful, dude. I'm telling you what, man, this apartment, bro, I can't. This car, this apartment is wearing me out, man. This relationship, yo, my, my boss, my boss is an idiot. You don't say that, you're a Christian, but I've heard other Christians say that. Oh, man. You got to be really careful if you're only going to tell 50%. Because the 50% you keep telling keeps getting bigger and bigger in your life. If you're only going to tell 50%, you're better off telling the other 50%. I got this car, but yo, I'm thankful I can get from point A to point B. It's not my dream house, but yo, I'm glad I got a roof over my head. Hey, I'm so thankful God has given me a partner to walk with me, not just on the mountaintop, but even through the valleys. I don't have the best boss in the world, but I'm thankful I'm not jobless. I got a job. I got a reason to praise. I got a blessing. Come on, somebody give God some praise in this room. You better share the right 50%. Because whatever you focus on is going to get bigger in your life. Some would say, my burden, my burden. is my blessing. <laughs> you have to learn that if you live a burden-free life, you're never going to live a purpose-driven life. Well, how do we know this? Well, all we have to do is look to Jesus Christ, who lived one of the most purpose-driven lives. And what you'll discover is that he was far from being free of a burden. Tonight, we're kicking off this collection to hell and back. And this is not a study on the literal hell, but rather this is a study on the burden, the suffering, the pain that Jesus carried on his way to the cross. 
In fact, we're gonna study Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday up to the cross because what we're looking to discover is as Jesus went to the cross 2,000 years ago, he carried our burden of sin and shame. But at that cross, he exchanged our burden for the blessing of eternal life. For when he died once and for all, how many know Jesus Christ, he conquered death, even hell and the grave. And because he resurrected, the good news is, is you can resurrect too. Jesus takes our burden and he gives us a blessing. And tonight, my assignment is to teach on Sunday. Everyone say Sunday. Sunday. Fun day. Matthew 21 is the story of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. This is Sunday before the cross. Now, what's amazing about Matthew chapter 21 is this story known as the triumphal entry shows up in all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Christians have now called this day Palm Sunday. A little bit of context around Matthew 21. This is Passover season. What that tells us is that 2 million Jews have invaded Jerusalem. Why are they there? They are there to pray in the temple and they are there to offer a lamb as a sacrifice for the blood of a lamb covered their sins for a year. It's amazing to consider that there they are, two million Jews going to purchase a lamb and so many have no idea that the lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who takes away the sins of the world is riding in on a donkey. Anybody grateful that Jesus doesn't just cover your sin, but he cancels your sin, he takes away your sin, he removes your sin, he's forgotten about your sin? And as Jesus comes in on that donkey, they wave palm branches and they shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What's amazing about this scene is everybody was excited, but Jesus knew exactly where he was headed. See, Jesus understood that as he got to Jerusalem, he would be betrayed. He would be crucified on a wooden cross. Yet notice in Matthew 21, nobody makes him go. No one convinces him to go. No one coerces him to go. He chooses to go voluntarily. I've been reading this story and I wonder to myself, how on earth was Jesus willing to carry the burden of the cross, to carry the burden of betrayal and death. I'll tell you how. It's because the blessing of relationship with you and I outweighed the burden. He understood that his burden was actually his blessing. Someone say, my burden is my blessing. Tonight from Matthew 21, I wanna show you three principles as we study Jesus's life, that as we see him carry his burden, I believe each and every one of us are here, are born on purpose. I don't think there's any accidents in this room. I don't think it's a coincidence that you got here tonight. I think God has a great plan for your life. He wants to use you in a mighty way. What I know is this, is that if you're gonna step out in faith into the future and you're gonna receive the blessings God has for you, you're gonna have to be willing to carry the burdens. You're gonna have to walk through the burden. And maybe you don't feel this way tonight, but there will come seasons in your life where you will be tempted to give up, to throw in the towel and to quit. And I'm hoping when you find yourself in one of those seasons that you're gonna require call Matthew 21 and you're going to find some principles that are going to encourage you that I'm telling you what the bigger the burden the better the blessing I'm not giving up 
I'm not quitting. I'm going to move forward because I believe on the other side of my burden is a blessing. Come on, put your hands together if you know what I'm talking about tonight. Principle number one, all you got is all God wants. All you got is all God wants. I'm going to say it again because it encourages me. All you got is all God wants. You in your car driving down I-95 right now listening to a podcast, all you got is all God wants. See, when you study Jesus' life, what you discover about Jesus is Jesus was obedient to the Father. And when you ask yourself, how did he carry this great weight, the burden, the weight of the world on his shoulders? Well, yes, I believe he did it because he expected the great blessing of relationship with you and I. But even before that, we know the reason why he carried the burden was simply because he obeyed the father. How do we know? Because we know he gets to a garden on a Friday early morning and there in the garden of Gethsemane, he's like, yo, God, father, this is what he says. He's like, if it's at all possible, let this cup pass for me. He's like, if this can go down any other way, let's do that plan. But I love Jesus because he resolves and he says it this way. He says, but father, not my will, but your will be done. Let me translate that for you in 2020. God, I don't want to do this. But God, I want what you want. This is obedience. And what you discover about Jesus is anything he expresses, he expects. So the fact that he expresses obedience to the Father is an indication that he ex expects obedience from us. This isn't popular preaching in 2020, but this is still the truth. The fastest way to a blessing is obedience to God. The quicker you can obey, the quicker you're going to walk into blessing. Now, we should define really quick. When I use the word blessing, I'm not talking about some surface, short-term, physical stuff. Blessing isn't just you getting a bigger house and you having more money in your bank account. Nothing wrong with that stuff, but that's not a true blessing. I've learned that God's greatest blessings aren't physical, they're spiritual. Some of the best blessings God has done in my life did not happen from the outside in, but rather they happened from the inside out. He showed me something. He revealed something. He produced something in me to push me into my future. Come on, is there anybody out there that knows you need the blessing of God if you're ever going to step into the future he has designed and developed for you? And if you want to get there quicker, the pathway is obedience. Newsflash, delayed obedience is still disobedience. See, what had happened was, is I meant to do it. No, 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 Obey. God, not my will, your will. I don't want to do it, but I want what you want more than what I want. And Jesus understood this. Pay attention to Matthew 21, because we're going to see obedience show up. Jesus, before he gets into Jerusalem, what does he do? He looks at two disciples. Someone say two. He says, go over to that town over there and you're going to find a donkey and a colt tied up. I want you to untie them and I want you to bring them to me. And if anybody gives you trouble, you just respond back, the Lord needs them. Now, when I read this, it kind of messed with me a little bit because we know that Jesus is God. And if you study God, what you quickly will discover is that God doesn't need anything. If God needs something... He's not much of a God. 
Oh, I'm just in need. But you're God. <laughs> you're all sufficient. You're omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. God doesn't need you. God wants you. Yet in Matthew 21, what we're seeing is we're seeing Jesus Christ, who is all God, but he's also all man. And he's humbling himself. And what he is declaring is he is saying, I need that donkey and I need that colt. I deeply desire it because I have use of the donkey and the colt. God's saying, I, I want that. I, I'm going to use that. But when you read it, it's like, yo, a donkey and a colt. Why would God need that? Like, really? A donkey and a colt? Seems pretty insignificant. But what it tells me is that many times in our life, what we tend to do is we discount areas of our life saying that part of my life is insignificant. What if the thing you keep declaring insignificant is actually packed with purpose? See, on the journey of faith, so many people, they don't understand that life comes at you in pieces. And if you don't get the big picture out in front of you, if you don't get a God vision in front of you, if you don't have a God dream, you will never have the ability to put the pieces together to form the puzzle, to form the picture. And so what you do is you get a little here and you get a little there and you keep looking at this little stuff and that stuff. You're like, all this is, is a donkey. All this is a cult. This is really insignificant stuff. God could never use this. God would never want this. This has no no worth to God. But I want to remind you that God doesn't need what you don't have. Meaning God will never demand something from your life that you don't already possess. All you got is all God wants. Whether it's big or small, you need to start declaring that it's significant. You need to recognize that God has blessed you with something. And if you would see the something that he's blessed you with, you would discover he can take the something and he can do so much more with it for his glory. All you got is all he wants. I love this story because he's like, go to the town, untie the donkey, untie the colt. And if anybody gives you problems, you just tell them the Lord needs it. Some of you heard three weeks ago, my car was stolen from my driveway. Can you believe that? You should be praying for your pastor. <laughs> Actually, don't feel bad for me. Um, it was my fault. I uh, left the keys in the car unlocked. <laughs> it's funny, because you do that in Miami, people are like, ah, oh, man, you deserve that, man. <laughs> They're not the criminal. You're the criminal. It's like, oh, okay, like, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, um, you know, had I woken up while this, um, while this uh, crime was taking place, and if I opened up my door and said, what are you doing? And they would have said, oh, sorry, the Lord needs it. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd have faith for that. <laughs> Jesus says, go to the town, untie the donkey, untie the colt. And if anyone gives you problems, simply reply back, the Lord needs it. In fact, as you read Mark's interpretation and Mark's account of this story, they actually were stopped by the owners and they simply respond, the Lord needs it and the owners let them go. Why? Because whenever God sends you out on a mission, whenever God gives you a purpose, he never sends you in your strength. He always sends you in his strength. You don't go in your name. You go in God's name. The apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ.
Christ who strengthens me. Some of you need to get a firm revelation tonight that there is power in the name of Jesus. Come on, if you believe that, somebody said Jesus all over this place. Come on, somebody said Jesus all over this room. See, you don't even realize that when you just utter his name, his name alone has power. At the name of Jesus, every tongue must confess, every knee must bow. When you said Jesus, demons in hell, they started shaking because there's power in that name. There's healing in that name. There's freedom in that name. Come on, is there anybody in this room who believes that there's power in the name of Jesus? I don't come in my strength. I come in his strength. I don't need it. The Lord needs it. And as soon as he says the Lord needs it, man, these guys go, you can have it. Take, take it, man. Listen to me. I don't believe God's going to call you to do illegal stuff. So I want to make sure I'm clarifying because we got a sketchy audience tonight. But I do believe he's going to call you to do some unbelievable crazy stuff. Some of you tonight, you need to get a revelation that you have been waiting on a word from God that makes sense. I have learned that when God speaks to you, rarely does it make sense. For his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. His ways are higher than your ways. Quit waiting on a word that makes sense. Just start obeying. Because if you obey him, the outcome is going to happen. I was waiting for the money to show up in the account. Then I was going to start the business. Is that what God said to you? Or did God say start the business? Nah, nah, I was getting ready to begin that thing, but I'm just waiting for all the right people. Did God say, wait for all the right people? Or did he say, step out in faith? So many of us in this room were like, God, do a miracle and then I'll move. And God says, you got it backwards. You got to move and then I'll do the miracle. Oh, come on, somebody. All you got is all God wants. God can take your little and he can do something big. If you got something left, God can do something more. But it's just a donkey. It's just a cult. I know that's all I need. I just need what you got. I don't work with what you don't have. I only work with what you do have. I love it. The Lord needs it. And they go, you can have it. What we fail to remember is that when we're carrying a God dream and we're carrying a God mission, when we're carrying the burden that God has given us for a purpose, what we fail to remember is that God wants that dream to happen more than we do. I'm preaching to myself tonight. Because sometimes as this church grows and sometimes as this community gets more and more complicated, I can think all the pressure's on my shoulders. But as soon as I start thinking that way, I just remind myself, I'm not the one who called myself to this job. He called me to it. And because he called me to it, his grace is going to get me through it. All I got to do is patiently obey him. Come on, is there anybody out there who believes what I'm talking about? Your burden is your blessing. All you got is all God wants. Big or small, all you got is all God wants. Number two, Matthew 21. Your burden is your blessing. Number two, this is my favorite one. It's called the donkey key. Doesn't sound very powerful, but some of you are going to get a tattoo tonight. Some of you are going to put it over the doorpost of your home. This is the donkey key house. Because I've been reading this and it's like, yo, why would Jesus pick a donkey and a colt to ride in on as he's becoming king? Like, what? Like, I'd have picked a unicorn or something, you know? 
I'd, I'd pick a Ferrari. She's like, no, I like UberX. I'm like, what? Okay. The first reason why he picked the donkey and the colt is very practical. In fact, Matthew, he, he indicates and tells us why. It's right there in our study. Jesus was fulfilling a prophecy that occurred 500 years prior by the prophet Zechariah. As you study Jesus, I know there's many people here tonight that are not followers of Jesus. You love this community. We're grateful you're here. We formed this place for people that they could understand that they could belong before they believe, belong before they behave. But one of the great facts about Jesus' life that indicates to us that he was more than just a man is the amount of prophecies that he fulfilled. Some seven, 800 years before even his birth, he fulfilled hundreds and hundreds of prophecies. And this is just one of them. Zechariah, 500 years prior in chapter nine, verse nine says, rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, this is good news for you and I because this is reinforcement that if God told you something, God's going to fulfill it. That God's, God's word does not return void. It might take 500 years to come to pass. But if he said it, you can rest assured he's going to do it. But the second reason why he picked the donkey and the colt might not be as clear as evident. On Friday, I took my sons to the zoo, uh, my oldest son, Wyatt, is two years of age, and right now he is currently obsessed with the Jungle Book, and he loves animals. Animals, Daddy. Animals. Animals. And he loves all animals. He loves to make the animal noises. You know, he loves monkeys. Ooh, ooh, ah, 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 ah. He does that, and he loves horse, horse. He does the whole thing. He loves elephant. He does the elephant noise. His favorite is the lion. This morning, I woke him up, and in his crib, he's going, and, um, if you didn't know that he loves lions, you just definitely think he's demon-possessed. Um, <laughs> now, I know his story and whatnot, and so I understand the context, but <laughs> rah, he's just roaring right now. And so we were at the zoo, you know, he's just like, you know, he's just, he's roaring at this, he's roaring at this lion. Rah! I'm like, dude, probably chill out, man. Um, it was, it was such a beautiful day, yet what was funny is on the, on the drive home, um, the animal that we were talking about the most, it wasn't the monkey, the elephant, the tiger, um, the lion. No, no, the animal that caught us all by surprise that really we found ourselves talking about uh, was the first time I'd ever seen this, uh, was the wild ass. <laughs> it's an animal at the uh, Miami Metro Zoo. You can see it. Um, I, was, I didn't know it was an animal either. I was like, I thought that was my friend Johnny from high school, you know? But uh, nonetheless, um, the wild ass is a part of the donkey family. Now, this is not me. This is the zoo. But have you ever seen at the zoo, they have these like little um, like plaques, thank you, with facts about that animal you're looking at? Here's the two facts that the zoo wanted you to know about the wild ass. Fact number one, the wild ass is one of the fastest animals on the planet. It can run up to 40 miles per hour. Fact number two, Miami Zoo. The wild ass cannot be domesticated. They are stubborn animals. And when I read that, I said, yo, That sounds a whole lot like me. 
I'll go first. I'm really good at running from God. Let me go first, because I know this isn't your story, it's just my story. My flesh is stubborn. I want what I want when I want it. And it is absolutely astounding that Jesus, out of all of the animals, would pick a donkey and a colt. A donkey is not a wild ass, but a colt is much like one because a colt cannot be tamed. And you say, why would he pick a donkey and a colt? Because he wants to give you a picture of who he uses to carry him into the world. You might not know this, but Christianity is a cult. C-O-L-T. It's taken some of you a lot tonight. <laughs> you and I, we're just a cult. You and I are stubborn. You and I, we hold our ground. You and I were running from God. But anybody thankful that grace outran us? His grace is bigger. His grace is better. His grace came and tracked me down. His grace came and found me even when I was on the run. Come on and give him praise if you're thankful for his grace. God's grace tamed a wild ass like me and a wild ass like you. Well, how'd he do it? He did it simply by untying us. He tells these two disciples, go to that town and you're gonna find a donkey and a colt, stubborn, prone to run. And I want you to untie the donkey and the colt. You know, our church is, is a church that is very, very open and vulnerable about the fact that we are jacked up. So if you're looking for a perfect church, I would ask you to leave quickly. <laughs> because it's stories like this that encourage me so much that God came and picked me even when I was tied up in some things I shouldn't have been tied up in. Are you telling me that God, God came and found me and said, even though you're bound up, I'm going to pick you and use you. God doesn't pick perfect people. Maybe you're here tonight and you're carrying the weight of shame. You're carrying the burden of guilt. And you're thinking to yourself, my best days are behind me. God could never use me now. I've done too many bad things. There's no way I could be a carrier of Jesus, a carrier of the gospel. But every time you start to think that way, you just got to remember the donkey key. That if God chose to use a donkey, he can certainly choose to use you. See, God does not cut what he can untie. We live in a world that loves to cut people off. Oh, I cut him off. No, I cut her off. They finally showed me who they really were. I'm done with them. You've been cut off. Anybody out there thankful that your God never cuts you off? Anybody thankful that your God simply patiently waited on you and he untied you and he unraveled you? 
His reckless love was patient and he outran me in my stubbornness. He patiently talked me down. He, he could have gotten rid of me years ago, but he didn't cut me off. He untied me. He untied your brokenness. He untied your shame. He untied your issues. He untied your fear. He untied your addiction. He untied your lust. He untied your issues. He untied your pain. Come on, is there anybody out there that's got a praise on the inside of them that they know without the grace of God, they would not be where they are today? Oh, come on, somebody clap your hands. Give God some praise. Come on, you are standing in the ashes of who you used to be. His love got a hold of your life. And his grace untied me and it healed me. And the healing does not neglect the fact that there was pain, but rather his healing just reminds me that the pain no longer controls me. It no longer controls me. He didn't cut me off. He, he untied me. He just untied me. You know what the donkey key is? Here's the donkey key. The donkey key is simple. You might have been used by this world. And some of us, even right now, you're letting the world define your value. You don't know my story, Rich. You don't know what this world has done to me. This world has used me and abused me. And I've done some stuff and I've made some mistakes. I feel like my value has been defined by the world that's used me. But I, I want to remind you, the donkey key is this, that you are not defined by the world that's used you, but rather you are defined by the God who simply wants to use you. Wants to use you. Even with all your hangups, even the fact that you've been bound up, tied up. He says, no, I've unleashed you to use you. Thank you, Jesus. Out of all the ways to enter into Jerusalem, he says, let me fulfill this prophecy. And let me also pick this stubborn animal that's prone to run and let my grace tame him. Let me unleash him to use him. It's, it's kind of cool, right? Because um, I was thinking, I bet this, uh, this donkey's life was changed forever that day. Like, how many know that this donkey, like, as soon as he got done, like, carrying Jesus into Jerusalem, this farmer, this man, I bet people came over to the house, like, where's the donkey? Hold on, where's the colt that carried Jesus? I want to see him, you know? I think it's safe to say that Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh and this donkey are the most famous donkeys in the world. <laughs> Why? Because once this donkey was used by Jesus, this donkey became that much more valuable. Your gifts are really amazing. But if you really want to put some extra value on your gifts, give them to Jesus. Your talents are beautiful. The blessings God has given you, they're incredible. But what's really incredible is when you surrender them to Jesus. Someone say, my burden is my blessing. It's the donkey key. That if God could use a donkey, he can use you. The best is in front of you. Keep pushing forward. Keep carrying the burden. Don't give up now. Don't quit now. Sure, there's a burden to carry Jesus. Sure, there's a burden to carry a mission. Sure, there's a burden to carry a purpose. But I'm telling you, on the other side of that burden is the greatest blessing you could ever dream of. 
all you got is all God wants, the donkey key, and lastly tonight, Matthew 21, stirred, not shaken. I'm gonna need some participation here. Look at your neighbor and say, stirred, stirred. not shaken. Do a James Bond voice. I don't know how to do that. Stud, not shaken. <laughs> they grab that donkey. They grab that colt. They put cloaks on them. According to Matthew 21, they lay cloaks on the street. And the Bible says that the crowds grabbed palm branches and they began to wave them in the air. And they quoted Psalm 118. And they shouted aloud, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And when you translate the word Hosanna, it means please save these men and women were celebrating and worshiping and declaring Jesus as their king. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And it was a beautiful scene, a huge celebration. And Matthew takes it as far as to say that everybody celebrating, he literally uses the word that the whole city became, became stirred up. There was a stir in the city. I like this word because when life tries to shake you, you're going to need a faith that stirs you. See, shaking happens on the outside, but stirring once again happens on the inside. And what happens to you is not nearly as important as what is happening on the inside of you. I hope when this economy tries to shake you that you got a faith that stirs you. I hope when politics try to shake you, you got a faith that stirs you. I hope when the coronavirus tries to shake you, you got a faith to look back and say, I know it's going bad on the outside, but I got something good going on on the inside. I have been stirred up. I have been stirred up. I have been stirred up. I know there's stuff going on around me, but what's happening inside of me is so much better. I'm not shaken. I'm stirred. It's my prayer for our church that you would be stirred, not shaken. You live long enough. Life is going to try to shake you. Life is going to try to tell you to quit. Life is going to say that burden is too big, but you got to stir up your faith and you got to confess out loud. No, 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 no. The bigger the burden, the better the blessing. My burden is my blessing. I'm not just going to share half the story. I'm, if I'm going to share half, I'm going to share the right half, but I'll just tell you the whole story. It's burden and blessing. They go hand in hand. The scripture says everyone that day there was, was stirred up. I was thinking to myself, how does a city get stirred up? I think it's pretty simple. A city gets stirred up when Jesus gets raised up. Jesus' words, he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men into me. I really believe that God has positioned Vu Church uniquely in this season, in this hour, that we would see the name of Jesus stirred up across our city. But I want to remind you, it's not by might nor by power, but by his spirit. All you and I have to do is lift up the name of Jesus, continue to raise up the name of Jesus, continue to show up, continue to be consistent, continue to be bold. And as we raise up Jesus, the city's going to be stirred up. Easter's just five or six weeks away. Man, what can we do together? Could we lift up the name of Jesus? Could we shout the name of, could we see a whole city stirred up? Story says the whole city was stirred up. In fact, John's gospel even says the Pharisees, get this, the Pharisees, they hated Jesus. Out of their own mouth, they said, look what's happening. If this goes any further, the whole world will go with Jesus. How on earth did Jesus' haters now become eyewitness observers of the fact that even though they wanted to stop it, when people got stirred up, the potential for the whole world would follow Jesus.
Everybody was stirred up that day except for one person. That one person was Jesus. In fact, the opposite of being stirred up, Luke's gospel, triumphal entry, Matthew 21, Luke, his observation is Jesus gets off the donkey after the procession and he begins to weep and he begins to cry. You say, why is Jesus weeping? What a peculiar scene. Everybody's celebrating, but Jesus is weeping. Jesus is weeping because he's broken over the city of Jerusalem. He knows that these people are lost. They're lost. See, Jesus knew the end of the story. This was Sunday that Jesus had come in to Jerusalem. He's going there to be betrayed. Monday, as we'll learn next week, he clears the temple. Tuesday, he curses the fig tree. Wednesday, he rests. Thursday, he has Passover. Friday, he is crucified on a tree. Saturday, he is in a tomb and there is silence. But on Sunday, he resurrects. It's good news. He went to hell and back. Jesus understood that although these men and women were stirred on Sunday, he knew that on Friday they would be shaken. For these same people that are shouting Hosanna on Sunday are going to be the same people that are going to shout crucify him on Friday. And Jesus weeps and Jesus is heartbroken because he loves these people so very, very much, but he knows that they are going to be disappointed because he's not going to do what they expect him to do. You see, they wanted Jesus to come in and have a political takeover. They wanted an earthly king, but Jesus wasn't coming for a political takeover. He was coming for something deeper, something better, a blessing from the inside out. He was not coming for a political takeover. He was coming for a spiritual makeover. He was coming for salvation. He was coming for an eternal blessing, a blessing that was going to take some time to discover and to see. And Jesus wept and Jesus cried because he knew that they wanted a blessing without the burden. Romans says it this way, if we want to share in Christ's glory, we must be willing to share in Christ's suffering. God, I don't want to do it God, if there's any other way to get around this burden, let me know. Let the cup pass. But Jesus, I don't want my will. I want your will. I want what you want more than what I want. And I'm going to trust that this burden today is going to be a blessing tomorrow. And my plea for all of us here at VU Church is could we live stirred? Can we stay stirred even when life tries to shake us? Can you stay stirred even when God doesn't deliver in the way you hoped for him to deliver? Can you stay stirred even when God disappoints you? Can you stay stirred even when it seems like you were due a blessing, but it felt like another burden got on your back? Can you stay stirred even when God shows up and you were expecting a king, but instead you got a servant on a donkey? Can you stay stirred? See, what they did not know that day is that this was Jesus' first triumphal entry. The book of John says Jesus came in grace and truth. And the first triumphal entry of Jesus, he came in the form of grace like a lamb riding on a donkey. 
Oh, but I hope you have studied your Bible and I hope you understand that Jesus, he's going to have a second triumphal entry. And when he returns, he's returning for the church. And when he returns, he's not coming in the form of grace like a lamb. He's coming in the form of a lion with truth. And this second time when Jesus returns, he will not be riding on a donkey. Oh, but friends, it will be apparent, for he will come riding on a white horse. For John the Revelator said in chapter 19, verse 11, I saw heaven standing open up, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses, dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of the God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. I wish tonight I could get a witness if you understood that Jesus took your burden so you can get the greatest blessing. My burden is my blessing. Come on, lift your hands. He's coming back. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. It helps so much. For more content from VU and to connect with us, go to vuchurch.com. We love you. The best is yet to come.